from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Happy to have you here for a very special Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, special engagement show. Very pleased in having you here on the broadcast with me right here on MixLR.com backslash DT. That is, once again, MixLR.com backslash DT. If you haven't become a member, please make sure that you do so now. Members get to chat with me live in the chat room. They're the only ones that can chat with me live in the live chat room, every live broadcast, and you'll be emailed every single time the show goes live. So it'll be very easy for you to listen into the show. I hit live. And as soon as we bring up the mic and the live line is on, you'll be sending emails straight to all of your devices where your email is connected. And all you have to do is open the email, click listen live now, and you are set and ready to go streaming live here with wake up call with Dan Tortora. Here with you for the halftime show between Syracuse and LSU. First road game of the season for the Syracuse Orange on the road at LSU. And very excited about the opportunity to speak with you about this game and about what I've seen so far in the first half for Syracuse at LSU. Now, Syracuse played their first three games of the season. Uh, Central Michigan losing to Miami of Ohio Today on Saturday, September 23rd, doesn't help out the Orange in any way, shape, or form as Syracuse was able to beat them in their most recent game, 41-17. Syracuse is 2-1 coming into Death Valley of Louisiana State down in Baton Rouge. They had defeated Central Connecticut State as well as Central Michigan. And in between that loss to their former head coach, who is now a defensive coordinator, for the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders, giving Syracuse a 2-1 record heading into their matchup with the LSU Tigers. LSU, on their side of it, was not looking very LSU-esque in their, in their beginning of the season so far. When you look at the LSU Tigers inside of the SEC, not in good footing in the SEC. And the SEC, kind of a little bit more wide open outside of Alabama. You know, when you look to the east side of it, and where LSU was standing with everything so far. They're in the west bracket with Alabama, the east bracket wide open, Kentucky at the top of it heading into the weekend. LSU almost to the bottom of their side of the conference. They won their first game against BYU at home 27-0, beat Chattanooga at home 45-10, and then went on the road for their first road game of the season and fell to the Mississippi State Bulldogs in an SEC matchup 37-7 in an embarrassing loss for the LSU Tigers in that game. A terrible, terrible loss for the LSU Tigers in that game. So both of the teams came in with a 2-1 and one record. Syracuse coming into Baton Rouge after LSU had been beaten on their first road game and Syracuse going into their first road game at 
LSU. So both teams, two and one, both teams trying to make it happen. Both teams trying, you know, Syracuse in their case, trying to get a big signature win. Dino Babers was able to get his first signature win for the Syracuse Orange in his first season as head coach when they defeated the top 25 ranked Virginia Tech Hokies at home inside of the Dome. This time around, Syracuse trying to get a signature win, and their first shot at it was against LSU and the Tigers. At halftime, the team is down 14-3, that team being Syracuse. The game was a lot closer until the last uh, two minutes before halftime. Syracuse had held LSU to a 7-3 advantage. Syracuse had repeatedly forced LSU to punt the ball away. Their defense was doing their job. Syracuse's offense was not doing theirs in history with the Orange, but 7-3 at halftime would have been a win for Syracuse. That's a first-half win, Syracuse being only four points away, 7-3, tight game, defensive game. That's a win for Syracuse in the first two quarters. However, they allowed a play to get broken open right before halftime, and that obviously changed things for the Syracuse Orange. They allowed a touchdown play to be converted for LSU when Steph Sullivan caught caught a pass from Danny Etling and went 43 yards, outran four Syracuse defenders that were around him, caught the ball with two behind him, like one in front of him, and was able to outrun another couple other guys, so brought six Syracuse players of the 11 out there on defense into the end zone, trailing behind him, and end up losing, you know, Syracuse ends up just losing Sighted this guy who was able to get through and get into the end zone. Sullivan getting a touchdown, making the game 14-2-3, which is obviously very, very difficult. Darius Geis, who wasn't supposed to be playing in this game and wasn't playing, and then he was playing. Anybody that knows Syracuse knew that their lead running back, who Dino Baber said arguably is the best running back in the country, not in the SEC, not in the South, not in this game, but in the entire nation, Of course you knew he was going to end up playing, and Darius Geis had a one-yard rush early on in the game. He was able to score in the first quarter with 14.51 left on the clock. He scored in the first, I mean, this absolute insanity. He scored in the first nine seconds of the game. First nine seconds of the game, Darius Geis, one-yard rush. Then Cole Murphy kicked a field goal with 7.58 left in the first quarter. And then with 1.15 left before halftime in the second quarter, Steph Sullivan, 43-yard pass from Dan. On 14-2-3. And when you look at how the teams have been going up against each other drive-wise, Syracuse, the reason why there was a within nine seconds a score from LSU is because Syracuse got the ball on the kickoff and immediately there was an interception thrown by Syracuse, which set up that next play. At 14.54, just six seconds into the game, Syracuse had thrown an interception to LSU, and just three seconds later, nine seconds into the contest, Darius Geis scores from one yard away. So Syracuse beating themselves early on. Then Syracuse would kick a field goal on their next drive, and they would end the first half with five straight punts. Within those five punts, Syracuse had an opportunity at a touchdown. They had a first down from Irv Phillips called back for a holding penalty. Then they had a false start penalty right after the holding penalty, yet Eric Dungy was able to move outside of the pockets, turn his body, and beam the ball downfield to Sean Riley, who had defeated his, he had gotten in front of his defender, had spacing, 
the ball was right on the money, put into the hands of Sean Riley, who had a step or two in front of his defender. Sean Riley drops the pass in the end zone, drops the ball, and Syracuse ends up having to punt it away. Look at the difference in that. Syracuse gets that. The game's 14-10 to at halftime, or it might have taken the wind out of the sails of LSU and it might have been 10-7 to Syracuse's favor at the break. You cannot make mistakes when you are trying to win any game. When you're trying to upset a team, you absolutely cannot make mistakes like this, and Syracuse made a crucial mistake later on in the second quarter. For LSU, they haven't looked that great either. They had the touchdown early on after they got the interception. Then they punted the ball four times in a row and then scored the next touchdown. So Syracuse had a string of a series of unfortunate events, a couple series of that actually, shout out Lemony Snickets, later on in the second half by Sean Riley not catching the touchdown pass. They punt the ball away, and then on the drive that they punt the ball away to LSU, Sullivan goes 43 yards into the end zone. So Syracuse obviously in just those, those two series, that moment where they had the touchdown and dropped it, and then their defense had taking care of LSU the entire first half and then, you know, gave up the 43-yard touchdown at the end. So Syracuse had a good first half, but it is about finishing. It's about playing four full quarters and playing the entire half and <clears throat> for this first half and then coming out in the second half and doing the same thing. Syracuse looked good. The defense was on point. They were able to do what they needed to do against LSU. Death Valley was extremely quiet in the second quarter and early on in the second quarter. Syracuse had taken the wind out of the sails of the LSU fan base and had quieted them down. The defense did what they were supposed to do. And then just like that, a drop pass by Sean Riley and flip it to the other side. Sullivan doesn't drop his, and they're able to get a touchdown you got to give a ton of credit to the defense of Syracuse, but the offense has to rise to the challenge, and the defense has to know how to finish. In the first half of this game, you just look at where everybody is at right now. Uh, as far as LSU, they have 130, or they had 141 yards in the first half, 46 rushing, 95 passing comparative to Syracuse that had 149 total yards. So Syracuse, eight more yards than LSU, 37 rushing, 112 passing in this. Syracuse had six penalties in the first half compared to no penalties for LSU. You stay penalty-free, mistake-free, and you don't give up the ball by turning the ball over on downs. I mean, yeah, they punted the ball four times, but they did not turn the ball over to Syracuse And obviously, look at the team that's in the lead right now. Six penalties to no penalties for LSU taking care of the ball and taking care of what's going on right now. As I said, LSU had no penalties or no turnovers in the first half. Syracuse had one that immediately led to a touchdown. You got to be careful with these moments. You got to be careful with what's going on. Bubba Gray on the live line said, go Cuse. And, you know, I got to tell you, Bubba, Who's at, he was down in Kentucky, and Kentucky, listen, I picked Kentucky with Papa Joe. In Papa Joe's picks this week, which happen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Wake Up Call, right on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, Papa Joe and I both selected Kentucky to defeat Florida. 
Kentucky right now is in first place of their division inside of the SEC, and we picked Kentucky to beat Florida. And I want to take a, a look into a bunch of other games that are going on around the country. Idaho is tied with South Alabama 23-23. Uh, we look at overtime for, and you know, Louisiana. There's a game being played right now between Louisiana Monroe and Louisiana, and that game is closer than the Syracuse game is right now. That game has gone a little bit extra. It's uh, 56 to 50 right now. Uh, Washington State, number 18 team in the country, ranked, is defeating Nevada 45 to nothing with 5:44 to play in the game. Number three, Oklahoma is only up by three points to Baylor on the road in the third quarter. Early in the third quarter, 28-25. Uh, Mississippi State down 14 to three to Georgia on the road. Mississippi State upset LSU. Now Georgia is looking to take care of business and avoid the upset. San Diego on the road at Air Force, number 22-ranked team in the country is San Diego. They are currently down 9-0. Penn State early on is up 3-0 on Iowa, ranked fourth in the country. Auburn is defeating Missouri on the road inside of the SEC. Number 15, Auburn, Missouri unranked right before halftime, 31-7. Losing on the road to Kentucky, 14-7. Alabama, the number one team in the nation, 9 to nothing. The only team that's playing where you're not really having too much concern is Alabama. Clemson wins the game 34-7 after having the game tied 7-7 through three quarters. Boston College on the road at the other Death Valley, number two team in the country, Clemson. The game was tied 7-7 to going into the final 15 minutes of the game. It was like Clemson was toying with them. Nobody scored in the first quarter. Clemson scored in the second quarter. It was 7-0 at half. And then, you look at, and then you look at Boston College scored seven points and shut out Clemson in the third quarter. And then Clemson scored 27 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win the game 34-7. The end score does not show this game. Boston College played three magnificent quarters and like I said, it was almost like Clemson was just toying with Boston College. It, they were just like dangling that mouse in front of the cat, and then they took it right away. USC wins on the road. Bubba Gray says they're playing a good game right now, speaking on Syracuse. Amen to that. I don't disagree. USC won on the road 30-20 to over California, number five ranked team in the country. The only, and that's USC, the only game that Papa Joe and I disagreed on was he said Oklahoma State would win at home, number six team in the country. I picked TCU on the road, number 16 ranked team in the country. TCU won the game 44-31 to in that matchup. Number eight, Michigan defeats Purdue on the road, 28-10. to Oklahoma State, number 10 in the country, at home against UNLV, 54-21. to NC State, folks, what I tell y'all? I said, listen, people worry, when you're a Syracuse fan, people worry about Florida State, Clemson, and Louisville, okay? But Wake Forest has gotten better, 3-0 and coming into this weekend. NC State's gotten better because they didn't fire Dave Doran. They gave him time. Dave Clawson got time in Wake Forest. They both got what Scott Schaefer didn't get, and, I'm not, and that's no knock on Dino Babers. They came in around the same time as Scott. Scott didn't get that next year or two that I felt he needed. Dave Doran got the time, and I said, NC State last year, Almost took down Clemson. I said, without DeAndre Francois, FSU's starting quarterback, watch out this weekend for NC State. I said, listen, 
you can't just look past this team. And if anybody's going to beat Florida State, it's this year. NC State wins the game. 27-21. to 21. Wins the game. 27-21. to 21. Helped by a 10 to nothing first quarter start where they held Florida State scoreless and were able to get on the board first. Virginia Tech wins the game against Old Dominion 38 to nothing. And then we look at Miami defeating Toledo at home 52 to 30. Louisville wins easily 42 to 3. And we have some other games that are obviously going to be coming up here. Oregon at Arizona State, Washington at Colorado. Earlier on in the week, South Florida trounced Temple 43-7. to So some good games and some blowouts going on, but Syracuse still in this thing, down 14-3 at halftime, but they have to minimize their mistakes. They have six penalties in the first half. LSU had none. Syracuse had one turnover that turned into a touchdown by Darius Geis. LSU has no turnovers. You play mistake-free nine times out of ten, that's the team that you think is going to win the game. Syracuse has, they definitely need a wake-up call. Shout out to the show. Yes, it is a pun intended. Syracuse needs a wake-up call. Their defense is doing everything that they could do. Defense isn't going to stop LSU on every single play, every single drive, every single down. Syracuse's offense has to wake up in the second half. Sean Riley can't drop a pass like that. I know the kid. He's a good kid, and I know he's killing himself for this. Let's get into the second half. I will do a post-game show, and I hope you enjoy the second half. Syracuse down 14-3, but 30 more minutes on the clock to play. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome in your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast in a very special engagement show, very special show for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You're, you're, you're used to hearing the broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. But for this Syracuse at LSU game, we did a halftime show, and now we are here for the post-game. Post-game show of Syracuse at LSU. The game just ended seconds ago, and I am on the live line with you here on MixLR dot com backslash wake up call dt to discuss the game now for those of you that have joined mix lr 
youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt as free members. You can chat with me in the live chat room and you can send your thoughts to me. If you have not joined and you're listening into the show, make sure that you become a member so that you can send your thoughts during the show. You can tell me what you're thinking, ask questions, get my perspective on things, hear your perspective, you know, see what your perspective is and whatnot as well as we move forward. So if you are not a member and you're listening in, join right now for free on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt and become a free member. Johnny on the line right now just wrote, ah, with an exclamation point. You know, definitely a tough game for the Syracuse Orange. Syracuse falls in this game on the road to LSU in Death Valley, 35-26. to Big shout-out to the Syracuse fans that showed up to this game, though. It was absolutely amazing the amount of Syracuse fans were there to, uh, at least twice. I know twice, you know, of, of watching this game, you could hear after Syracuse had scored, you could hear Syracuse fans, let's go Orange. You could hear it over. Death Valley is what Clemson has been called and LSU has been called. They both have the name. People are saying which one's the real one, who had it first, yada, yada, yada. But when push comes to shove, both of these places are not supposed to be easy places to play. And in the second quarter, it was quiet at LSU. The LSU fans were quiet in Death Valley. And Syracuse fans chanting, let's go orange, over and over and over again uh, after the team had scored a touchdown. And then later on in the game when the, scheme, when the team had scored a touchdown once again as well. So, <clears throat> you know, you look at... You just look at the fact that not only did the fans show up to LSU because, listen, when Syracuse faced LSU at home, there were LSU fans all over. There were LSU fans tailgating at 8 a.m. in the morning. There were LSU fans that got in on Wednesday for the Saturday game. So it's nice to see Syracuse fans showing up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, after so many LSU fans showed up in Syracuse, New York, for that game two years ago in 2015, when at that time, fifth-string preferred walk-on quarterback Zach Mahoney took over the reins of the team with Eric Dungy being out injured. And Zach Mahoney, if you look at Cole Murphy, if Cole Murphy had made, and I know people say if and this and that, just roll with me on 2015. If Cole Murphy had made the field goal, because Syracuse lost 34-24. If they had made the field goal, it's 34-27. If you sack Brandon Harris on the on the last-ditch effort play where he flipped the ball to Leonard Fournette, who was standing behind him, who ran the ball for a 71-yard touchdown run, which should have been like a 5-10 to yard loss for LSU, then all of a sudden the game's 27-27. You go into overtime at the Carrier Dome. Syracuse was not out of that game by any stretch of the imagination two years ago, Right? Syracuse just made mistakes. They didn't finish. And in this game, Syracuse made mistakes. They didn't finish. Two years ago, Syracuse loses by 10 with their fifth string preferred walk on quarterback. This year, with your starting quarterback, you're 35 to 26 at the end of the game on the road in Death Valley. So I want to go to some of the thoughts that have come in so far. We can definitely build off of this, but we did beat ourselves coming from a Syracuse fan. Uh, also, initial thoughts are things are starting to click. Got to keep the positive play up going to next week. So I, uh, I definitely agree with both of those comments that came in. Dino Babers made the statement when he came into Syracuse and repeatedly made the statement after that that the fourth game of the second season is when his team catches on. At Eastern Illinois, he said, I don't know why, I don't know what 
magic it is or whatever it is. But in the fourth game of the second season, everything starts to click with my plan and my players. Fourth game of the second season with Eastern Illinois. Fourth game of the second season with Bowling Green. The fourth game of the second season for Dino Babers at Syracuse was this LSU game. And even though Syracuse didn't win the game, how can you not say that things are clicking more so than they ever did before where the team loses 35-26 to on the road? On the road. And this was a team that was down 21-3. Syracuse was down 21-3 in this game and came back. Syracuse was down 7-0, then made it 7-3, halftime 14-3. First play, you know, first drive of the second half, 21-3, they're down. They come back 21-10, then it's 28-10, then it's 28-12, they force a safety, punt the, and then they get a score, a touchdown later on, 28-12 it is. Then Syracuse makes it 28-19. Instead of going for two, they go for one. Then it's 28-26. 35-26. So look at what Syracuse did. They were down 21-3. 21-3. And then from the safety forward, when it was 28-10, Syracuse comes back to make it 28-26. Think about that for a second. Syracuse scored 16 unanswered points before allowing a touchdown at the end of the game. They allowed six, or they had 16 unanswered offensive points. And Dino Babers talks about finishing, and he talks about playing four quarters. This team scored 16 unanswered points before allowing a touchdown to DJ Clark on a 20-yard rush fake play where you didn't know where the ball was going. Was it going straight forward to Williams or was it going to Clark, who was coming on the end around? 16 unanswered points before they allowed the touchdown at the end. How many plays did this defense make? An interception that the defense got from Juwan Dowles in a huge part of the game in the second half. How many times did Sterling Hoffrichter pin this team with at their five or even closer to their own end zone? Because of where Sterling Hoffrichter put LSU in the game, when you go back to the safety play, because of Sterling Hoffrichter with 3.29 left to go in the third quarter, Syracuse gets a safety, thanks to Paris Bennett, on LSU because of Sterling Hoffrichter. So the offense, defense, and special teams did good things in this game. Guster said, so many great things happened defensively tonight. By far the best defensive game played in the Babers era. Which Babers said would be now. Fourth game of the second season. So Syracuse in this game plays their absolute tails off. Right? Not all the way through, but most of the game. Plays their butts off. Tries to get this victory. Runs out of time field really really slow right comes out the field really really slow think about this though just think about this just just roll with me on this for a second okay Syracuse loses by 10 because they miss a field goal and they allow a freak touchdown to Leonard Fournette two years ago game would have been tied if Sean Riley catches the touchdown in the first half of this game that was in his hands that he just dropped in the end zone he was wide open Sean Riley catches the touchdown, and Syracuse goes for two on the other play. Then the game is within reach of Syracuse again. It's literally been two plays and two plays. And I know that it's more than that because Syracuse allowed this and they allowed that and this, that, and the other. This game was 28-26 to with under six minutes to play. It didn't allow a touchdown to D.J. Clark. 
they could have gotten down the field, kicked a field goal, and won this game 29-28. to Who would have thunk that Syracuse had any chance in this game? Who would have, th- who would have thought that? Who would have thought that on a primetime game on ESPN, on a Saturday night in Death Valley, that Syracuse would have a shot in this game? Who would have thought? Besides Syracuse. Who would have thought? I want to go to the numbers in this game for both sides. We're going to start with the winning team, LSU, 35-26. to 26. They won the game. They had 414 total yards of offense. 151 rushing yards, 263 passing yards. Syracuse, not that far behind, 30 yards less total. 414 for LSU, 384 for visiting Syracuse. 308 of the 384 yards that Syracuse had of total offense came from Eric Dungy passing the ball and his receivers and running backs going forward from there. Only 76 yards on the ground. This is where this is one of the places on offense where Syracuse lost the game. 200 they outpassed two quarterbacks. They outpassed Danny Atling and and Miles Brennan, both of them in the game combined. 263 passing yards for LSU. Eric Dungy 308. Yes, Zach Mahoney came in on two plays but nothing happened. So, 308 passing yards to Eric Dungy and um, pardon me, Devin Butler, Devin C Butler who had the trick play where the wide receiver, Devin C. Butler, threw the ball down the field, not Dungy, but Butler to Irv Phillips. The Butler essentially did it, 43 yards on that. So Dungy had 265. But the offense of Syracuse, 308 passing yards to 263 from LSU. Where LSU beat Syracuse was in running the ball, 151 yards, despite the fact that Darius Geis only had in the game. He had a touchdown, but Darius Geis... Didn't have much of anything, right? Darius Geis ended the game with eight carries for 14 yards. 1.8 yards a carry. Darius Geis, arguably the best running back in the country. 1.8 yards a carry. Daryl Williams had 92 yards on 16 carries. 5.8 yards a carry and a touchdown. This is where Syracuse had the wheels fall off. Because Syracuse in running the ball, Dante Strickland had seven Attempts for 27 yards. Moniel had five attempts for 11 yards. Irv Phillips, one for eight. Butler, one for six. Eric Dungy, the best running back for 1.8 yards a carry, but he had 13 attempts more than anybody else, 24 yards because he had lost yardage, but he had a 14-yard touchdown late in the game that helped Syracuse stay in this thing, and it was his longest of the day, and it, and it matched Dante Strickland, the actual running back of Syracuse's longest rush of the day, which was 14 yards. So Syracuse, once again, struggled running the ball. Syracuse also struggled with penalties in this game. If we look and we look at the total game here, Syracuse struggled in penalties. Eight penalties in the game. At one point, Syracuse had seven penalties in the fourth quarter. Uh, They were at the point, not in the fourth quarter alone. Syracuse had gotten for the first, second, third, and into the fourth quarter. Syracuse is in the fourth quarter with seven penalties. LSU has one. Right after I wrote that, amazing what happened. Syracuse gets Syracuse had seven penalties to one of LSU. After I wrote that and sent it out on social media, Syracuse got one more penalty. LSU got six. Or pardon me. Pardon me. I'm making a mistake here. Syracuse had seven penalties in the game. After I wrote out it was seven to one, they never had another penalty. Pardon me on this. 
They never had another penalty. After I wrote, it was 7-1 to one penalties, Syracuse to LSU. Syracuse did not have another penalty after that. Two more penalties came against LSU at the most inopportune time. They only had three penalties in the game, but it was in the fourth quarter at the worst possible time. Syracuse, on third down, they had more third downs than LSU because LSU didn't really need them. So on third down, Syracuse was 8 of 19, which is 42%. Nothing to to gawk at, nothing to be pissed off about. 53.8% for LSU on third down. 53.8%. So Syracuse above 40% on third down, which is pretty damn good. But allowing over 50% to LSU, 7 for 13. That's another place that killed you. Syracuse ran 82 plays in this game. 18 away from running 100 plays in this game. Both teams had seven points off of turnovers. Syracuse had two sacks. LSU had three. Syracuse, six tackles for a loss. LSU, eight. A lot of these places, Syracuse was close. And LSU did not have a fourth down try. Syracuse was two for three on fourth down. Two for three on fourth down. 67% efficiency on fourth down. You don't ever want to be on fourth down, but sweet mother. Ravion Pierce made a huge play in this game where Eric Dungy threw the ball like almost straight up in the air, this huge arc. Ravion Pierce jumped up in the air, grabbed it with one hand, and pulled it down and fell on the ground for the first down. Mo Neal was taking all kinds of pitches and whatnot like crazy and doing well on one of the drives there late. Steve Ishmael made at least two huge catches with three defenders around him. At least two huge catches with defenders around him. He ends the game, Steve Ishmael, with 11 catches for 123 yards. Steve Ishmael, through four games for Syracuse this season, as a senior wide receiver, has 100 yards receiving in every single one of the four games he has played in so far. He is on pace. He is on pace to have 1,000 yards by the end of Game 10. He is on pace to be a 1,000-yard receiver this season by Game 10 and have over 1,200 yards by the end of the regular season 12 games. On pace to have better than 1,200 yards receiving. Irv Phillips also caught the ball 11 times, 93 yards. They both had a touchdown in this game. Mo Neal, Ravion Pierce, Devin Butler, Nikeem Johnson, Dante Strickland, Sean Riley, all involved in the receiving game. But positive yardage coming from all but two of them. Nikeem Johnson with a positive play. Dungy caught a pass on a trick play. Devin Butler, Ravion Pierce, Moniel, and of course, like I said, Irv Phillips and Steve Ishmael. I want to go back to some of your comments and your thoughts right now in this Syracuse at LSU postgame show, proudly brought to you by Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for a special opportunity. You know that the show airs every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time right here on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. You can pick up this live feed on any one of your devices, become a member for free, and you can chat with me during every live broadcast, including this one, in the live chat room. So if you're not a member for free, Why wouldn't you do it? It's easy to do. Become a member for free, mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, and all my members can write into the show. Your comments can be read here about what you think about the game. If you're not a member, can't read any of your comments here. So make sure you do that, and it'll also make it extremely easy to tap right into the show Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern time and during special broadcasts like this postgame show. 
The comment that just came in, Ishmael continues to be a beast. Love the kid getting his game on. Talent has been there since day one, and you've been telling us that long. Yes, I have, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Gusser, for the write-in on that. And it's good to finally see it happen for Steve Ishmael. Like he said, he was like, listen, from day one, the talent's been there. And Dan, you've been telling us, you've been telling us that Steve has had this from day one. Because I knew he had. I've been telling you from from day one, Steve Ishmael has a place in the NFL. He has a place in the NFL. People need to get to know that. He has a place in the NFL. You can't tell me that there's no spot in the NFL where you can open up a little crevice for somebody like Stevie Ishmael. Look at the catches he makes. Who has been better for Syracuse on sideline grabs in the last God knows how many years than Steve Ishmael? When you throw the ball into single coverage on the sideline and that man's feet are right by that sideline, right about to go out of bounds, he jumps up in the air and will pull that ball from anybody over the head of anybody. Any jump ball thrown his way on the sideline in coverage, I trust Steve to bring it down or at least get his hands on it. How many times, at least two times in huge situations, Steve Ishmael caught the ball among three defenders. And Steve Ishmael caught that massive touchdown that made the game 28-26 with under six six minutes to go in the game. Steve Ishmael caught his first touchdown of the season, four games into the season, caught his first touchdown at the biggest moment of the season so far. Biggest moment of the season so far. Okay, think about that. Syracuse lost this game. But did they really lose this game? Let me tell you what I mean. Wins and losses, yeah, it's 2-2 for Syracuse. 2-2 in the non-conference. They start conference play against NC State, who just defeated FSU on the road. And by the way, I told you to be wary of that game. Told you to be wary about that game. NC State is a good team. They are a good team. And if anybody's going to take it to FSU, you do it this year. Because DeAndre Francois is not there. They don't have Delvin Cook. He's in the NFL. They got some guys in their secondary and on defense, but if their offense is sputtering, NC State can play that game. If you play a game under 30, I said NC State can play that game. They can play that game. High 20s, low 30s. I said that. And they played it. And they won 27 to 21. And Syracuse has to play them on the road in North Carolina. But holy mother, did Syracuse just go up against an SEC school and just just do what they did. So if you look at this score and purely at the score and see nothing else, you don't know football. Okay? You don't. Because LSU should not be ranked in the top 25 after this week. They are 25th of 25. They should not be ranked in the top 25. They should not be ranked in the top 30. Syracuse, an unranked team that has no respect whatsoever nationally, just played you and forced you to have to score a touchdown with less than four minutes to play in the game. Or else. Or else. Dungey walked off that. He... He looked up after that game and the clock hit zero. He looked up. And you can only imagine what was going through the man's head as he slowly walked off that field. I had them. I 
had them. We had them. Did you see Dungy in the huddle? After, after they allowed that touchdown right in the beginning of the second half, Dungy going and yelling and clapping like, guys, get into this. We're not out of this game. Come on. Don't give up. Don't give up. The thing is, if Syracuse wins this game, then there's all these things to say about Dino Babers and that he's right in the fourth game of the second season, and he's absolutely correct, and everything he said was true. And look at Eric Dungy, and oh my gosh, we're so happy he's healthy for this game. And look at this offense, and look at this defense, and look at this special teams. But the thing is, even though they lost this game, how can you not turn around and say, damn? Because Syracuse, under Greg Robinson, would have lost this game by 50. Syracuse, under Doug Marone, might have not been this close. Syracuse, under Scott Schaefer, they played the game close. But think about this. People expect Syracuse to lose by 20-plus to LSU. When LSU came to town to the Carrier Dome in 2015, I think Syracuse was the underdog by three touchdowns. I think Syracuse was the underdog by 21 to 23 points that day. Syracuse lost this game by nine points. That's it. Nine points. Nine. That's it. I'm looking back at this, and I'm writing my game story. As soon as this this live postgame show is done for Wake Up Call, I'm going to be putting my story out there because I'm in the process of writing it and figuring out how I want to tell this story. But how can you not look at Syracuse and say, a team that punted five times in the first half, five times, comes back and scores 16 unanswered points before the last three minutes and 47 seconds. Sterling Hoffrichter, friggin' player of the day, punting the ball the way he did. Syracuse had Riley Dixon, and then it's like, where do we go from here? Well, you get Sterling Hoffrichter, who I was so ecstatic about having come to Syracuse because I had talked to him numerous times from Armwood Armwood High School, pardon me, that's actually on the way to HB Plant, where Rex Culpepper and Scoop Bradshaw are from, quarterback and cornerback for Syracuse, respectively. I had to pass Armwood. You just saw the blue owl right there on the highway. And I called it an owl. That's what it looked like to me. But Sterling Hoffrichter, you know, I was really hopeful about it. And I said, I was like, he's got that name that you like think will become famous as a kicker. Sterling Hoffrichter. That sounds like something that would be on like the NFL's greatest games. It sounds like somebody that I'm going to be listening to in a football life or something like that. And, man, did he play his heart out. Did he play his heart out? Paris Bennett, Zaire Franklin. Friggin' Kendall Coleman goes off the field starting defensive end for Syracuse. The only defensive end that's consistently been out there as a starter through four games this season for Syracuse. He goes out off the field. Syracuse's starting left tackle, Cody Conway, goes off the field. And it's a two-point game with less than six minutes to play. No excuses, no apologies. So you can't say, well, Darius Geis wasn't out there that much. Oh, oh. Daryl Williams held his own. Trust me. Trust do. This is LSU. Their fourth string player is supposed to be better than anybody on Syracuse, right? Right? Is that not the notion? So no excuses, no apologies. Syracuse went to Death Valley and shut them up. Syracuse went to Death Valley and you could hear Let's Go Orange chants 
if you were watching on your television, you could hear the chants. They weren't faint. They were loud. The rushing attack wasn't there. There was... But what could the defense do? I literally typed onto Twitter, the defense has done a lot of good in this game. They just need to make a few more plays to keep the game in reach. Next play, Syracuse pushes back an opportunity for LSU getting a first down. Play after that, Juwan Dallas gets an interception. I kid you not. Hand to God. Hand to God. I said they got to make a couple, they got to make a few more plays here, and then it was stop, interception. The defense came to play in this one. The offense came to play, but not in four quarters. I don't have any qualms with special teams. I don't have any qualms with the defense, for the most part, in this game. Yes, they gave up the touchdown at the end of the game, and that was a big mistake. The defense did have blunders in this game, okay? But the offense the offense has to, has to look at this and say, we took advantage late in this game. We... We're so close to stealing momentum. We kept knocking on the door of momentum, and we almost took that girl to the prom. We almost got that girl to go with us to the prom. Why did she choose that guy at the end? And it's not because of LSU. It's because of Syracuse. Don't take any credit away from LSU. Please don't. LSU did what they needed to do to win the game, and they had a huge play from DJ Clark at the end of the game, and they won. Okay, DJ Clark saved the game, and potentially at Ogeron's job, but maybe not. Because just as much as you can view this as a win for Syracuse despite the loss on paper, boosters might take this win on paper and see it as a loss for Ed Ogeron. And this could be one of the reasons why they put a case against him to fire him immediately. They fired Les Miles, who had an 81% winning percentage at LSU. So don't get it twisted that they would let Ed Ogeron stay there when he was up by two against Syracuse at home in Death Valley in the fourth quarter. I'm not wishing anything bad on Ed Ogeron. I'm just saying, LSU boosters, that LSU, they're brutal. These people are brutal. When you fire a coach, think about if Syracuse had a coach that was winning 81% of the time. They'd make a statue of that man on campus tomorrow morning. That man would never be fired. They would be praying that that, that, that man had offspring that would take the job. So don't get it twisted. This was not a win for Ed Ogeron in the eyes of probably many and hopefuls. This was an embarrassing, terrifying game at home for LSU. Terrifying, embarrassing game for LSU at home. Barely beating Syracuse is not LSU football. Syracuse almost beating LSU is what the 1987 undefeated team was talking about. Rob Drummond, Michael Owens... Don McPherson, Coach Mack. That's what they were talking about. Just got a message in here. Dan, I see so many positives to take out of this game. Let me get to the rest of this. Dan, I see so many positives to take out of this game and build upon. Seeing the typical hate on Twitter, focusing on the mistakes, the what, the what could ofs, etc. I just don't get this fan base. 
And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I appreciate the response. I don't, I've said it before. The fan base of Syracuse, not everybody, every fan base has fickle fans, right? Every fan base, I can't, you know what? I can't even say every fan base has fickle fans, but there, somebody in the room is fickle, okay? Like I've been to big games around this country. I started off the 2017 season by going to Atlanta, Georgia to watch Alabama face, face Florida State with over 70,000 people in the stands at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium that had just opened a couple weeks before for the Atlanta Falcons in their preseason. I went to the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, okay? So I've seen some big games, right? And fans can get upset, but if if a fan gets if, – if Ohio State loses a game on the road or at home, and they're walking out of the stadium, and somebody walks by them and goes, OH, they go, IO. FSU loses a game, they're still doing their rally chant at the end of the game. F L O R I D A S T A T E, Florida State, Florida State, woo, that whole thing. They're doing that in a loss. They're doing that in a loss. If you are a fan of your team, you are a fan of your team. If you're a fan of your team, you're looking for a positive to take away, not the negative. If you focus, okay, let me just put it to you like this. If you focus on the negative in your life, sport or no sport, if you focus on the negative in your life, what will you inevitably come? Be what will you inevitably become? Negative. If you only focus on the negative, that's what you become. If you love your mother, and she makes mistakes like we all do. And she's a great, great woman. And there's all these great things that she did too. Why would you focus on the things that she didn't do? Why would you only focus on her mistakes and her blunders? That makes no sense. You cannot survive and succeed if you only focus on, but, 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 we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we could have, we should have, we would have, we could have, we should have, we would have, we didn't. You can't focus on that. You have to focus on the positives. Nobody is is saying that this is a win on Syracuse's win-loss column. Nobody's saying that. But if you're if you call yourself a Syracuse fan and all you're doing after this game is complaining, Sean Riley should kill himself, da 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 da. Sean Riley had 247 all-purpose yards in Syracuse's last game. He caught the ball, he ran the ball, he kick-returned the ball, and punt-returned the ball. Okay, 247 yards of all-purpose. If he was your fantasy player, you'd be kissing him on the mouth. So, people are going to make mistakes. Okay, Steve Ishmael was a forgotten player last year, and I couldn't understand it for the life of me, and now he's got four for four. Every game he's played in, 100 receiving yards. In three of four games, he's caught at least 11 passes. First player in the history of Syracuse football, of all the great Hall of Fame wide receivers they have had that went on to the NFL. Nobody had caught at least 11 balls in back-to-back games until Steve Ishmael. 
The man is rewriting the record books and on pace, like I said, to have 1,200, 1,300 yards at the end of the season receiving. And showed up when Syracuse needed him throughout this game. When Dungey threw that ball, when Dungey rolled out and threw that ball down the field and you're like, oh God, and you couldn't see because the camera hadn't panned, you didn't know, is there somebody there? Is there anybody there that can make a play? How many times did Steve Ishmael bail out Syracuse? I can tell you that there were at least three big plays that he took care of. There was at least three big plays he took care of. Two in triple coverage with guys all around him and the one in the end zone. How can you not look at this game and take positives away from it? Don't pay attention to people on Twitter that are complaining. Those are just complainers, okay? That's just what they are. Just like when people are peacefully protesting and anarchists disguise themselves as pe- disguise themselves as peaceful protesters because they want to they want to create anarchy in the world. Same thing. Same thing. There are people that are so upset at their existence or lack thereof that they feel in the world that they run around parading as a Syracuse diehard fan when they're really just miserable and they just want everybody to give up on the team and hate themselves. You got two choices in Syracuse, New York. You can ignore the fact that there's a massive dome downtown or you can bring your tail to the game if you're capable of doing so, sit your butt down and appreciate it. There are cities all over this country that have college teams and professional teams. Florida's a second home to wake up call with Dan Tortora. I'm going to tell you the teams I've covered in the state of Florida over the last 14 years. Miami, Florida State, Central Florida, South Florida, the Conference USA Championship that I was down there for. I was down there for the ACC championship game this past season. What else do I have in Florida? The Jacksonville Jaguars I've covered, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Miami Dolphins, the Orlando Magic. Who else have I been? Uh, The Tampa Bay Rays, HP Plant High School. Oh, the, I'm sorry, the Orlando City FC team, SC team, pardon me, Orlando City SC in the MLS. NBA Summer League. Shall I continue? Syracuse, you have Syracuse, you have Lemoyne, you have OCC, you have Oswego. Don't be an L.A. fan where they can't even sell their own damn tickets and there's more people in the West Coast cheering for Miami than the friggin' Chargers. So I'm not even going to acknowledge anything that these people are saying. Because they're just miserable blokes. That's all they are. They're just haters that hate for the want and desire to hate. And their opinion doesn't matter because it's always negative. If you always know somebody's going to just think the worst of everything, how can you take anything that they say with honestly believing that it's real? Right? Syracuse lost 35-26. to 26. They did not run the ball well. But when Dungy backed away from the run, the traditional run, and just said, let's do some trick plays. Let's pitch the ball. Let's throw this up top. Let's shovel pass it. It worked. When you shovel pass to Moneal, he did a lot of good things. When you handed the ball right off, 
Not so much. You ad lib. The offense did that. The offense outpassed LSU. Syracuse used trick plays and they worked. I have a lot of respect for the plays and the opening up of the playbook that Dino Babers took in this game. Dino Babers didn't just say, well, we're going to keep running the ball up to gut and hope to Jesus it works. It hasn't worked for 35 minutes, but maybe it'll work later. That's the sign of a terrible coach. Somebody who's like, I'm just going to bang my head against the wall until I eventually fall over with a concussion. Babers didn't do that. He said, okay, we tried this, we tried this, we tried this. How about we try this? Let's keep them on their toes a little bit. And you know what? Trick plays by a team like Syracuse, people are like, somebody's going to, you know, a team like LSU is going to intercept you, bring that ball home and embarrass the hell out of you and beat you 70-7. to That didn't happen today. Syracuse's trick plays kept them in the game. Eric Dungy kept him in the game. Eric Dungy got hit on the ground. Man stayed with it. And that was a clean play, by the way. There's no way in hell that that guy could have stopped himself. He accidentally hit Eric Dungy's helmet as he was, like, wobbling and trying to catch his balance flying by. But on the roughing the passer play, Dungy got hit by one guy and then banged into the other guy and who looked like he had no problem knocking him to the ground. Those plays are dirty and stupid. But... And obviously it cost him. Gave Syracuse a first down. One of the few penalties that LSU had. Syracuse has to minimize penalties. Seven penalties, unacceptable. Syracuse has to minimize penalties. You can't throw an interception in the first six seconds of the game. Hello? You literally receive the ball and on the first play throw an interception. And then you allow a 28-yard return to your one-yard line. It takes five seconds for Geist to get a touchdown. He was relevant in a game where he was irrelevant because of that play. So, you can't beat yourself. You can't throw interceptions against anybody, let alone LSU, any SEC team, any of that. Anybody. Middle Tennessee, you can't do it. Can't throw interceptions. Can't fumble the ball. Can't do it. You can't do it, especially not to start off the game. And when you're starting to gain momentum, you got to hold on to it. The offense should have capitalized on the defense's opportunities earlier in the game. Sean Riley's got to catch that ball, but he knows that. I don't have to tell him that. He knows that. Sterling Hoffrichter doesn't have to do a damn thing different. Freaking play that game every day, and Syracuse is going to have a shot against a lot of people that people don't think they should have. Special teams gets little to no respect. And they are 100% responsible for where the heck that other team starts or doesn't start their drive. Sterling Hoffrichter putting you inside your five or on your one-yard line, he created the safety for Syracuse that Paris Bennett got. Your punt returners, your kick returners, your punter, your long snapper, give them some darn respect. Because your fifth string wide receiver kept you in the game because of his blocking or his penetrating the block. Sterling Hoffrichter doesn't have to do it. Dar- he doesn't have to do anything but be be this every week. Please, Jesus. If you're a Syracuse fan, 
you want you want cut and paste Sterling Hoffrichter this game against NC State, Middle Tennessee, LSU, FSU, everybody. There were a bunch of drop balls. Okay, again, again. A lot of guys had opportunities. Thinking about what they're going to do with the ball before they catch it. Can't do that. It happens. Mistakes happen. Okay, so some of the numbers for Eric Dungy are not Eric Dungy's numbers. 32 of 53, 21 incompletions. No. Bunch of drops. Bunch of drops. Biggest one in the end zone by Sean Riley. Biggest one by far. But again, cumulatively, look at what Sean Riley has done for the team this season. Cumulatively, look at what he's done. So, there's good stuff happening on special teams. The defense gave up some plays in this game, but let's say out of 60 minutes, they played 52 of them. I know it's not 60, but it's damn better than 20. It's damn better than some of these games where you sat there and said, wow, is the defense even here tonight? The offense needed the of of all three of all three phases of the game in this game, Syracuse at LSU and Death Valley, the offense was the one that was third of three. The offense was the one. Defense, second, special teams, first place by far. There's a lot of things that Dino Babers can take back to the drawing board and work on in this game. It's a lot better than saying, hey guys, we lost by 40 like they all thought we would. We are an embarrassment. Everybody thinks we're embarrassing and we are embarrassing. Dino's not going to say, he shouldn't say that at the end of this game. I can't imagine him saying that at the end of this game. Fourth game of the second season and I went, holy sweet mother, that's LSU. Well, if Syracuse ever needed everything to click, it would be that game. And almost everything clicked, but not for four quarters. Defense, 52 of 60 minutes. Sterling Hoffrechter, friggin' 65 minutes of 60 minutes. He got five bonus minutes. I'm going to get, he's like when this happened to me in, in one of my classes, my general psychology class, I got my, I got my paperback from my teacher and she gave me 105 or like 115 or something like that. And I was like, I didn't know there was extra credit. She's like, there wasn't. I just loved your paper so much that I had to give you more than 100. So that's what I'm doing for Sterling today. I'm giving him 65 minutes of good play in 60 minutes of actual play. Is there anything else that anybody else has to say? If you're on the live line and you have any other points you want to make, make them now within the last five minutes of this broadcast, and I'd be happy to answer them or address them or whatever you got to say. But I want to look at the rest of Syracuse's schedule in the meantime as I give you a second here to to chime in if you want to chime in. I want to look at the remainder of Syracuse's schedule. So as we look at it right now, obviously uh, Syracuse, Central Connecticut State, or pardon me, they, they defeated Central Connecticut State, uh, lost to Middle Tennessee, defeated Central Michigan, and lost at LSU in a very close game. Dare I say that Syracuse played a better game against LSU by far than they did against Middle Tennessee? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not stuttering. Okay, Syracuse played far better, two to three times better than they did against Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee, they lost thirty to twenty-three, but the the score of that game doesn't portray the game. 
Syracuse never had momentum against Middle Tennessee. They never looked good against Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee's defense, led by former head coach Scott Schaefer, they forced a three and out on Syracuse's first drive of the game. Almost put Dungy in a safety and sacked just powerful. Syracuse had a better game against LSU than they did against Middle Tennessee. Let that marinate for a second. There's good and bad to that. Because you need to, if you're going to play well against LSU, you got to beat Middle Tennessee 50-7. to But they're learning, right? Because the Middle Tennessee game was game two, and this is game four. They're learning, right? You like to hope that they're learning. Syracuse is on the road at NC State on Saturday, September 30th at 12.20 p.m. Eastern Time. be interesting to see if that time changes now that NC State defeated FSU on the road and Syracuse almost defeated LSU on the road. So you'd like to think that Syracuse could score a better time than 12.20 p.m. Pittsburgh is going to be visiting Syracuse on Saturday, October 7th, and then Syracuse is at home Friday, October 13th, on Friday the 13th for Clemson, and then on the road at Miami on my birthday, October 21st, on the road at Florida State, November 4th, and then they're home against Wake Forest on November 11th, who's playing pretty damn well this year, at Louisville on Saturday, November 18th. That was a game where Dungy had gotten injured in the past. Hope to Jesus that doesn't happen again because you never want to see anybody get hurt, let alone the most important guy on Syracuse's team in God knows how many years. And Boston College at home on Saturday, November 25th, which was a game where Syracuse went 6-6 six and six in recent history by having a last-second touchdown and went to a bowl game. So all of these games have some history kind of connected to them, recent history. And Syracuse hasn't played Miami in a long time, but they used to be rivals, and Miami used to be one of the best teams in the country. So it'll be very interesting to see how the rest of this shakes out, but you should take a lot of positives from this game for Syracuse. And LSU, is, despite the win, yeah, you battled it out. That's good. But there's a lot of negatives to what they allowed to happen in this game. An SEC team going up against an unranked Syracuse team, giving them 16 points before they answer at the end of the game, that is completely and utterly un- unacceptable. I don't have to be in the SEC to know that. I don't have to be a head coach to know that, to feel that. Fire from the athletic director and president and whatnot. Chancellor. So... Understand, Syracuse, despite the loss, sent a message from Dino Babers on a wave that everybody could pick up in here, okay? He sent a waveform out into the universe that you could all hear. It wasn't negative. It was, it should be, we did good. Not enough, but we did good. We took ourselves out. We didn't play 60 minutes. We played 52. We come back down here tomorrow, and we shore up those mistakes. We win this game. Syracuse is closer now than they were two years ago to LSU. Steady improvement. That's what I told you. I said, listen, when Syracuse goes to the ACC, don't expect them to beat Florida State. Don't expect them to beat Clemson. Don't expect them to beat Louisville. 
Hell, don't expect them to beat Wake Forest if Wake Forest keeps doing what I knew they were capable of doing. Don't expect that. But steady improvement. You lose to Florida State by 50. Two. Then you lose to Florida State by 30. Then you lose to Florida State by 15. Then maybe you, maybe you spank them after that. Steady improvement. You don't lose by 50, then lose by 70, then lose by 30, then lose by 50, then lose by 50, then lose by 40, then lose by 50. No, that's not improvement. Syracuse has literally had to sift through a pile of dog poo-poo for a long time. Not the players. I'm not saying that. You're in a losing culture in a losing environment where the city will walk out on you in the third quarter. It's going to take a long damn time to change that. Doug Marone didn't have the personality to change that, but he got his players to win. Scott Schaefer had the personality, but the team wasn't winning. Dino has a personality that can breed positivity and demand respect, but also he's humble enough to know he has to earn it. Dino could be Exactly what Syracuse needs. But these guys have been here for four or five years. Like the Steve Ishmael's and the Irv Phillips and whatnot. Look at what they're doing right now. Look at what the freshmen are doing right now. I don't care about Orange is the new fast. I care about Orange is the progression. Progression is the new Orange. How about that? Progression is the new Orange. If you can take anything from tonight, take progression take progression and with that being said i thank you so much for listening into this special broadcast of wake up call with dan tortora and a post-game show of syracuse at lsu right after the game if you want to listen back to this it will be linked to the halftime show they will be together in one full broadcast you hear the halftime show first commercial break and we'll get into the post-game show you can listen to that entire broadcast on wakeupcalldt.podbean.com backslash mobile in just a few minutes after this is done. So for those of you listening late here, you'll be able to listen to the show. And thank you so much for being a part of today's broadcast. And thank you to Dino Babers and to Syracuse for doing something that Syracuse hasn't had in a while, and that's having relevancy against an SEC team in the last five minutes of a game. On the road, mind you. God bless. Have a good night. Find me on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, on Twitter at Call DT, and on Instagram at Dan Tortora Media. You can also find me on YouTube.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. And everything is in one place on WakeUpCallDT.com. And of course, become a member on the live line and listen to the show every Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. Have a great night. God bless you all. And always, always be thankful for your life. Be thankful for those that love you. And don't waste a second. I'll talk to you all soon.